When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's up, everyone? Happy Monday. Stephen Perry here with a brand new edition of Collider Dailies. Steve, I feel like I should ask you how your weekend was, but I know it was awesome because it looks like your werewolf by night screening the other night went incredibly well. Uh, It was last night. And uh, by the way, the Internet here is a little sketchy right now. So if I go out, uh, that is the reason why Um, you go out there with me. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Uh, the 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 screening went great. Actually, we premiered Werewolf by Night in Color last night. I can't call it a premiere. It's a special screening. Uh, but essentially, it was the first time anyone outside of the studio um, had seen it. Uh, and it's fantastic. It looks really cool in color. The you can see the blood rather than it just being you know black or gray. Um, I totally recommend watching it uh, in terms of. If you've seen it already, this is a it's a new version of it. You know, it's all in it's in color. Nothing's changed, but it, it's really cool. Uh, theater was packed. Giacchino was great. Um, I recorded the Q&A. So we're going to do an article, but uh, we don't I do have some video, actually. Uh, but anyway, if you missed it uh, and we gave away these uh, cool werewolf by night and color posters. Uh, anyway, it was a lot of fun. Everyone loved it. I love hearing that. It does not surprise me to hear that that went well. I'll just do a quick shout out to anyone who came to the Adult Swim panel at New York Comic Con or maybe the Paley Fest event for Invincible Season 2. It was lovely seeing so many people there, and it was such a pleasure to get to moderate those. All right. First topic of the day. It's a Monday, so it must be weekend box office. Here's the top five for you. Taylor Swift, The Errors Tour, made $96 million opening weekend. The Exorcist Believer came in at number two with $11 million. Then it's Paw Patrol, The Mighty Movie, with $7 million. At number four, it was Saw 10 with $5.7 million. And then rounding out the top five is The Creator with $4.3 million. Steve, the first thing we got to talk about here is the Eras Tour. I think both of us went went a little high on it, but uh, 96 million is still a, a rock solid start, especially when you remind yourself that 
there's nothing traditional about how this movie was released. I think we first found out about it. I think it's something like six, six weeks ago. And then on top of that, the only promotion they really did for it was via Taylor Swift. And she's got an insane amount of followers. So that is a lot of promotion. But look at how big this opening weekend is without the traditional movie marketing machine that we're used to. Um. Yeah, the things that you need to realize is don't listen to me for box office numbers. It's pretty clear that I am not that I'm good at a lot of things, but not that. Steve, to be kind to you with that though, everything about this movie is an anomaly. It it's really impossible to track something that has no precedent set for it. Sure. So the the thing is, it made an insane amount of money. They barely spent money marketing, as you said. And um the fact of the matter is, I also don't know where it's gonna end up. Like, I don't know if it's going to be one of these things that tops out at 200 million worldwide or does it go to 400 million? Like, I have no idea. And I don't think anyone does. Um, But look, I'm super happy for her fans getting to see it. I saw so many videos on, you know, social with people dancing in the theater. Uh, Look, I mean, um, I'm surprised that uh, at how well it did. And anyone who's saying it was not a huge success uh, doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> is wrong. It is a huge yeah. success. So not only is it now the highest grossing concert film at the domestic box office in history, like it, as in after one weekend, it's already surpassed the Justin Bieber concert movie for that movie's entire run. But then on top of that, I think there's still a chance that it could wind up being the highest October opening of all time. It's very, very close to Joker, which made 96 million. So I think we're just waiting for the actuals to come in and that will determine whether it's one or two on that particular list. All right. The next thing we really need to talk about here is uh, is The Exorcist. So The Exorcist made another 11 million. And, you know, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the, the issue with this one is how much money Universal spent to acquire the rights. And we didn't get to talk about this particular report since we last discussed Exorcist box office. So I thought it'd be a good thing to bring up right now. So The Hollywood Reporter has an article out there that is addressing the future of the franchise, the future of the series that Universal is planning to make. And what they say is that they're being told. I want to point out it's exactly what we said was going to happen. Oh, yeah. No, of course. Universal remains firmly possessed by its new IP. Two more exorcist exorcist films will still be made, but sources say Believer's reception will almost certainly demand some degree of creative rethink for the next two films. So it goes on to say, we knew this already, that uh, the next movie was going to be called Deceiver and that it would be uh, released in 2025. There's some uh, interesting information about David Gordon Green's involvement here, though. So uh, he was expected to return, but he recently expressed some doubt about his participation. And this comes from an interview that was conducted on October 6th. David Gordon Green said, my intention is to just start making things. And as those plans come together, if I find myself in that The Exorcist uh, Deceiver director's chair, I'll be thrilled. But right now I'm navigating it from a story perspective and looking at my realities of life as I pivot. So can I actually just jump in and say I, I interviewed David with Jason before the film came out and I asked him about the next two films and he was non-committal and like to be honest if i was david i would go do something else like he's made three halloween movies he's made the exorcist 
a lot of people did not like this movie. So it's like, why do another? Like, he has the choice to go do so many other IP or films or original stories or stuff on television, you know, like on HBO. Like, he has so many options. Why put yourself through it again? And yeah. also, I want to see him do other things. Yeah, that that too. And I think uh, this is a little bit of a messy situation. So he's got he's got the opportunity to exit. And I feel like he should take it. I also think that if they're going to do a creative pivot for the next two movies, it would benefit the next two movies to have a different director at the helm, whether it's someone directing a two parter or someone directing one and then another person directing the other. And a name that were names that came to mind, you know, who I think should direct an exorcist movie? Scott Derrickson. I mean, I'm always down for Scott to direct a horror movie, but I was thinking the Filippo brothers, the directors of Talk to Me. I mean, I think of that because there are some similarities in terms of the possession element, and I think they do that quite well in Talk to Me, but admittedly at the same time, I'm like, like, go forth and do different things. Don't let me box you into just possession movies. Uh, yeah, the other thing I think people should realize is The Exorcist globally, uh, as of last night, crossed $85 million. Uh, globally. And I think a lot of people don't realize it's actually going to break 100 unless something really weird goes wrong. And you don't really know where it's going to finally end up. But it's not a um, it's not a bomb, but it also didn't make the money it needs to make when you spend that much to acquire the rights. Mm -hmm. So it's you know, it's like it's a single or a double, but it's not the home run that I think the studio needed. Well, one other thing that's probably worth pointing out in that respect, and this is something that THR mentioned in their article, is that when they bought the theatrical rights, that $400 million was also for the streaming rights on Peacock and then also theme park extensions. So it's not just about, you know, taking that $400 million, dividing it by, by three movies and then saying this is what you need to be profitable. There are other elements in play here. So it's not really a one for one in that sense. I think, but that's that's another thing that so many people just don't factor in. You know, like there's so many ancillary places that studios make money. And the other thing that people forget is they're going to own the rights to this movie forever, like for a hundred years. So 10 years from now, they will still make money on this movie in some way, shape or form. So it's just when, how long before something becomes profitable. That's the only thing. Missed opportunity to say forever, just like the Sandlot, Steve. Sure. Forever. All right, next topic now. And part of the reason why I uh, brought up Talk To Me is because the next topic is all about A24. And this whole report is an exclusive to the rap. Admittedly, I had to pick up some of the quotes from an, an outlet called Fader because it was behind a paywall. But it's a very, very interesting story. And if you're an A24 fan, you're going to want to be aware of the potential pivot that's on the horizon. So apparently A24 is expanding its strategy to include more commercially viable films. So according to a, uh, a, a top agent with knowledge of the company, A24 uh, one of their acquisition executives made the talent agency rounds this summer looking for action and big IP projects, which, again, if you're an A24 fan, you know doesn't really fit the auteur-driven films we're used to getting from them. So apparently the agent said that this is part of a larger strategy of de-emphasizing the traditional character-slash-auteur-driven dramas that have been, you know, beloved by this particular studio ever since it was founded in 2012. 
This is uh, this is uh, making me sad. It's making me so, quite uh, sad. I, I have a lot to say on this. First of all, it's because things that people need to realize. A24 got a valuation of, mm-hmm. and I, I, I could be wrong about this number, but I believe it was like $2 billion. Or it was a It might have large... even been 2.5. Yeah. I don't know why I want to say 2.5. It was a lot of money, and someone gave them, I think, like $250 million for a 10% stake or something along those lines. And with that valuation, they need to start getting making more money. So I personally do not see A24 ditching what A24 does. What I see, and, and I think that anyone who thinks that A24 is just gonna pivot into becoming another Warner Brothers is out of their minds. What's gonna happen is that they're going to do what they do, but also mix in big IP, big budget type films into what they currently do. Now, the question becomes, if it was easy to make a $150 million movie and make a ton of money on it, every studio would be doing it every weekend. And so the question becomes, how can A24 put their unique spin on what they make and what audiences respond to on a bigger budget type of property? And I think what people need to realize is, what will most likely happen is they will start experimenting with 60 to 120 million dollar movies, you know, bigger films that have more risk, but have a more of a, a return on investment. And then it comes down to can A24 partner with the Warner Brothers or can A24 partner with a Universal? So the way a lot of studios mitigate their risk is by like Warner Brothers used to partner with Village Roadshow or the way Legendary partners with different studios. What you're doing is you're putting in half the money or you're putting in whatever the percentage is and then you're working with other people so there's a shared risk. So I don't think that I don't think people need to think A24 is doing a wholesale change as much as they're introducing new elements into their business model. I think that is a fair assessment to a point, but I I still and this might be a premature assessment on my part, but I still do have great fear with pivoting in this sense or broadening the type of movies they make. Um diluting what we what we know of them thus far and i know i know a lot of this has to do with that that uh that ginormous appraisal and needing to uh make do on that amount but you know when you i think part of the reason why this makes me so sad is from our perspective at least a24 is so damn successful they make these smaller budgeted movies that do occasionally pop at the box office they crushed at the oscars last year they they just have built such a great name and image for themselves but in this industry that's still not enough they still have to do more and what more equates to are you know big big ip action movies i mean let's not forget that just the other week we were talking about that reported uh that reported bidding war for the halloween tv rights and apparently 824 was in the mix for that so i feel like my head is not going to to be in a confident place until let's say i see 824 get their hands on something like an something like a halloween or something like a a four quadrant action movie you name it and i see them do it well and i see them do it where it still feels like an a24 movie that's going to be an extremely uh tough balance to strike but once they do that i'll have a little more faith in them doing both you see that that's the thing is that for some reason i they are so good at what they do 
that I have complete faith that when they eventually transition into doing a bigger budget thing, whether it be on TV, whether it be in the movies, that they are going to bring the A24 energy to that project. Um, I'm always like the the optimistic person, unless it's the Halloween TV series. Uh, but I firmly believe that A24 is not going to make something that's 150 million dollars or 100 million dollars unless they really believe in it. But the bigger issue is that I the box office has radically changed in such a dramatic way that things that you think are going to do really well are not performing. And, you know, there are surprises. So it really comes down to even if you have a really good movie, it doesn't mean it's going to make a ton of money. Mm -hmm. So, there's, you know, that's why you have to mitigate risk. And anyway, look, I believe in A24 and I think they're going to, you know, they will only do this if they have something worth doing. That's what I, I, I like that faith. Just to uh, wrap this section up with a couple more points from the rap article. One thing that they did point out was apparently the studio has lost serious money on many of its recent gambles and the specific titles they name are Waves, which is unfortunate. I love that movie. Uh, the Green Knight and Bo is Afraid. And then the article uh, goes on to say the bottom line is that our tour films don't make any money and are super risky. Um, it's just not a good long-term strategy. They have to have a good balance of both. And then another source close to A24 argued with this agent's characterization of the company's expansion in a statement to the rap. So there's still there's still clearly like gray in terms of how how this is all going to pan out for A24. And this is a, you know, it's a report from the wrap. So hopefully we'll get some more concrete information on the status of the studio and what they have planned for the future down the line. I'm all right. Gonna, one thing, I'm, I'm going to point out how tough it is for, for artistic filmmaker-driven films that even Netflix, I've heard, is basically not like making films like Roma anymore, you know, or th these art, these smaller films that are more personal to good directors or great directors. It's just very, very tough because it's hard to get people to tune in and watch when a lot of people just want to use this, like they want an escapist fare on a Saturday night, you know? And um, it's just the way it is. Like I'm not, I love all movies, but I'm saying it's hard to get people to tune in to smaller films. It's just hard. Yeah, I shouldn't have made a face. I like Escape is Fair as well. It's just a, it breaks my heart to see such a, uh, you know, special studio be in a position where they need to embrace other types of films when I thought what they were doing in this particular department was so impressive and I loved You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. All right, our final topic of the day is a double Matthew Vaughn topic. We are covering updates from our own Maggie's interview with him from, uh, I was about to say San Diego Comic-Con that summer, New York Comic-Con 2023. These updates are on the Kingsman sequel and the kick-ass reboot. So first, 
for the King's Man sequel. So what Matthew told Maggie was apparently they had different plans for the actual prequel movie that we got before he had persuade before he was persuaded to turn it into a movie. So the quote from uh, Matthew Vaughn is the King's Man was originally meant to be a TV series and I got persuaded to make it as a film. What we wanted to do was something like The Crown, but with espionage and a bit of a Kingsman hit going through all of the decades. Any uh, any hot take on Kingsman potentially having been a, a TV series, Steve? Uh, he's talked about, I've interviewed him a few times, he's talked about wanting to do TV. Um, I, listen, I, I'm a huge Matthew Vaughn fan. Uh, I'm just a fan of his work. I would have watched the show, um, but since it doesn't exist, you know, I really like that Kingsman movie. Um, and he does action in just really cool ways. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would have watched, but who knows? Yes. Then uh, then their conversation went on to cover the actual film's post credit scene, which uh, which features the introduction of David Cross as Hitler. The quote for that particular part of the story is. The next one, it's about the rise of Hitler and how Hitler did come to power and basically was supported by the English aristocracy. Uh, Vaughn then went on to tell uh, Maggie about the movie's plot. He revealed that, oh, the status of the movie, I'm sorry. They revealed that uh, it's been written and it's pretty cool. And he goes on to note that the time period is eerily familiar to current events saying, so I was like, well, that that's interesting and how the world was worrying so much about communism and uh, that fascism rose, rose up. And I look at the world at the moment. Everyone's getting distracted and worrying about this and that. And if you worry too much about this, bad things can happen. So it is a story that I think needs to be recalled. We're calling it the Traitor King. So that is the, the status of that. I'll be completely honest, Steve. I don't need this in my movies right now. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not super interested. It, it's a little uh, real world-esque. I think, listen... I'm a, I would watch this movie instantly, but I do think that a lot of fans want the uh, the next one with Taron Egerton and to wrap up that that section. Um, and also, look, Matthew has Argyle that's coming out, uh, you know, soon, and he's involved in a ton of other things. Mm -hmm. So the question be, is always with Matthew is what does he want to do? because Matthew um, can basically make whatever he wants. So it's a question of, does he want to do a Kingsman movie next? Or does he want to do an Argyle sequel? Or does he want to do something else? So, you know, he gets to pick what he wants to do. Yeah, he gets to pick the format too, because the last bit in that article is, Vaughn isn't sure if this particular project will come to life as a TV series or another movie. And he told Maggie they're currently debating the format, along with figuring out which projects to prioritize following the end of the WGA strike. So dude's going to do what dude's going to want wants to do. And I don't know, good on him if he has the ability. He, he does. And also he makes his movies um, at a lower budget than what the studios do. Um, I believe and I could be wrong, but I believe. Matthew's company sort of pays for the movie and then the studio sort of reimburses. So um, basically he, he manages to bring in his costs uh, at a lower number. Uh, and uh, it's one of the reasons he can do what he wants to do. Yep. And yet another project that is on the table for him, a kick-ass reboot. Here's the quotes that Matthew gave Maggie on that. This reboot is on a level that is like 
I'll probably get sued. It's like nothing we've seen. We thought about Kick-Ass. We're asking, do we bring back the characters for Kick-Ass 3? And maybe one day we'll do a Kick-Ass 3 with the characters, but that world needs to be reignited. So it can't be Kick-Ass as without it kicking ass and making people go, what was that about? So, yeah. And then he, he went on to say that uh, he's writing something so effing crazy that he might actually face literal litigation over it. That sounds like Matthew. Um, and I think what happened with Kick-Ass is that he gets the rights back or they get the rights back or they've got, just gotten the rights back. What's interesting, though, is when Kick-Ass came out, it was a different world than the superhero genre is right now between what Marvel and DC are doing, um, Deadpool, The Boys on Prime Video, it's a different place. So you have to wonder what is he gonna do with Kick-Ass that is so different than what's currently out there right now? You know, like where can you push boundaries? Because I don't know if you've seen Gen V or The Boys, but it does some pretty crazy stuff, you know? So it'll be interesting, but look, if anyone can do it, it's Matthew. You know, he has a sixth sense of humor, and he's a very talented writer, and I'm a big fan. Yeah, uh, Gen V, the boys, and also Invisible, in- Invincible, even in the animation format, uh, they still they they go they go big in that respect. Uh, uh, that's another that's another thing. Invincible, fantastic. So good, so good. Um, final final quote for this. Um, Vaughn noted that an official announcement on this particular project wouldn't follow until 2024 after his next unnamed project, which apparently begins production next week, which uh, that's exciting. Um, and then the last bit here is. So we've written something that is so effing crazy that I'm really excited about it. And it will be probably announced in about six months to a year because I want to get it cast properly. The guys we're making it with, we're doing a movie due for release next year that's starting in about a week, which I've been told not to talk about. Kick-Ass <laughs> is very important to me on a personal level. Yeah, like I, said, like I said, Matthew can do whatever the hell he wants. There's always people that want to work with him. It's just a question of what does he choose to make? Yep. I like Kick-Ass. I want more Kick-Ass. I hope he announces that fairly soon so I have something concrete to get excited about. But that's where we stand on those two projects right now. Steve, anything you want to say to our live viewers before we close out this episode of Collider Dailies? I have an interview that I have to be at in five minutes, so I will be brief today and say that I hope everyone had a great weekend. And um, reminder, we have a ton of upcoming screenings uh, that are free and paid, and I hope that people can go if you live in L.A. Yep, and I will just emphasize that by saying you should go to the Landmark Theater's website to buy tickets for Scary Perry's Horror Series, or maybe you're going to get lucky and you should keep an eye out on the Collider uh, website because there might be an opportunity to win a couple tickets there. Maybe, I don't know. You should probably look at the website. All right, that's it for this Monday's edition of Collider Dailies. Stay tuned. We'll be back bright and early tomorrow with a brand new episode. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.